0: one more time can we just give it up for the band they are they are the real deal just incredible incredible hearts and their love for this place is just just special and um what a week it's been um and obviously we got today and it's not even close to being over but um just from the bottom of my heart um this is a special place um, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to travel to different camps around the country, um, but this place is different. Um, this place is special, and, and some of the things that are the, are the most moving to me are, you know, when I see this couple back here with their little one from Ventura, so they got a little 805, but like, they grew up coming here, they met, serving together, working, their parents... Used to bring them here. I mean, just like the generations. And, you know, in camping ministry, um, I have some friends who do this all over the country, and fewer and fewer people are giving up a week to do what you're doing. And fewer and fewer people are giving up a week to, like, invest into their kids, invest into their grandkids, invest into their own spiritual lives. And um, I think, just from the bottom of my heart, like, um, I'm not even on the schedule for next year, so this isn't like, I hope they ask me. This is not anything. They already got the schedule for next year. I just think this place is so special. And again, there are these moments that maybe today you might be walking and just God just speaks to your heart and some level of spirit of generosity comes. Um, I don't think they will deny your generosity. Um, so if you see JR, if there's something inside, you have questions, but this, this space, um, our world needs. And e- even last night, I was just sitting with Mike and his wife, and they were just telling me, and I couldn't shake the thought of if that fire wouldn't have, have come into this ground. And a mile and a half away, and many of us were praying And I just sit back and I'm like, oh, God, you are so not done with this place. You have so much more in store. Thinking about those 33 kids who gave their life to Christ week two, 40, week one. I'm like, the amount of families, legacies, stories, eternities that can be transformed. And so um, just as one random speaker, um, as someone who can vouch for the culture of this place, um, it's... So, so special. And so as God moves, um, let's just keep being a part of the God stories that God wants to write here. Deal? Deal. This is as far as I can raise my hands right now. It's not because of basketball. But I don't know about you, but did you carry anything into this week? I mean, it's fascinating because we've been talking about this, and I love Pastor Eugene. He's one of my favorite communicators on the planet, one of my favorite people, just getting to sit and learn from him. But he kept using these words. We're living in a time of crisis and conflict and challenge. We're living in times of cynicism, criticism. And for many of us, we're just good Christian people. And all we're doing, though, is every day... We're just taking stuff, receiving stuff, holding on to stuff. And what's amazing is, and for many of us, we're just, we're carrying what that person said on Zoom. We're carrying what that person's facial expression after something we said. We're carrying what that family member said to us in reaction we're carrying what we think that the pastor should have said or didn't say or wish we would have said or wish he wouldn't have said. We're carrying all of this stuff. Family members saying, I'm not going to Thanksgiving dinner. I'm not going to Christmas because of who you voted for. We're living in these times that are so divided. And I think for many Christians, we're not actually walking in freedom. And we're just walking, just caring so much. And if 2020 taught me anything, and it taught me a lot, it taught me the importance of forgiveness. I mean, we sing this song that forgiveness is like sweet, sweet water. It's like honey on my lips. And I think in many ways, we think of forgiveness as like, oh, I forgive you. Or we think about forgiveness as like God forgiving us, and it's beautiful, and it's powerful, but let me just tell you, forgiveness was a gift for you, for your head space, for your heart space, so you could actually walk in freedom. And I have I, been so amazed at how in 2020, I just started collecting All of these weights, I never talked about it with the person. I never dealt with it really. I just kept carrying it. And there was a moment where my wife walked up to me and she's like, yeah, that's about right. I'm like, what? She's like, yep, yep, that's about right. She's like, this is how wide your shoulders are. You think you can carry so much. Why don't you actually begin to learn how to walk in freedom? Why are you carrying what he said or what she said or what they did? Why are you taking so much responsibility and giving that statement, that word, that phrase, that thought, what you thought they should have done, unmet expectations? And you all know what expectations are, just premeditated resentments. All of that and carrying it, <laughs> carrying it. And I'll just tell you, friends, like, I think for many of us, this is just how we're living our life. We're just carrying stuff. And I'll tell you, I'm not trying to minimize what some of you are carrying. I mean, some of what you all are carrying is really, really heavy stuff. I mean, you've experienced some stuff. But, I mean, I think some days, though, like we... Maybe we're like on Facebook and we see a family member post something and it's just, or they say something. Hey, they, they're short with us in the kitchen. Hey, they, they, they don't give us the response we desire. It's like a five pound emotional weight. I'm not saying it doesn't count, but many of us probably have like 20 of these that we're carrying and 20 times five is 100 pounds. I can do math. But maybe maybe, maybe for some of you though, you're like, it, it's not necessarily like the emotional pain. But maybe, maybe for some of you, you've like, you've experienced, you know, like more of a 10 pound weight. Maybe you've, in this time, you've just experienced some sense of friendship that they, they didn't have your back. And you, you thought there were like some kind of agreements that you all had. And somehow like you, you during COVID or during 2020 or during the election or during, during just even time in church or their thoughts all of a sudden were different from you and then they, they started to almost judge you and you're like, it's not necessarily a five-pound weight because it's like, I didn't think you would do this. It feels more like a 10-pound weight. And maybe for some of you, you, you just have multiple of those that you're carrying. I mean, maybe for some of you, you've experienced some bigger words. And some words like betrayal, words like abandonment, you know, words like neglect. And someone just actually was there and then they weren't there. And for some apparent reason, it's not what they said, but it's actually what they did. And they basically just like handed you 20 pounds. You've just been carrying that. And maybe for some of you, you have many of those experiences. I don't know, maybe, maybe for some of you, it's even bigger than that. I'm not that strong, as you can tell. But maybe for some of you, you've just experienced some form of abuse. And maybe for some of you, it's, it's not necessarily even what you, what someone did unto you, but somehow just how you can't even let yourself off the hook, and into every conversation, and into every interaction, and into every environment you walk into, you're carrying 45 pounds, and and I think for many of us, we're literally just walking around with these backpacks, and this time it feels so much better, but for many of us, we're we're just weighted down. You feel it in people's shoulders. You feel it just in people's like, just kind of feeling. I don't feel safe. There are a lot of, many of us are just feel very, very defensive and very on edge and very nervous and very scared. And I don't want to really get close. And a lot of us have trust issues because many of us are carrying weights. And because we're carrying weights, they've almost created these walls to protect us from potentially being hurt. And what's wild, what's wild about this is that this is not how God ever intended us to live. God intended us to live as people of grace and peace, people of love and freedom. But the amount of believers who can sing about forgiveness but struggle with putting it into practice in their own life is off the charts. I have a buddy of mine who's a a renowned counselor in Orange County, and he told me, he said, Steve, when I was a pastor there, if you did your job and taught people how to forgive, I would be out of a job. I said, what? He said, 85% of the clients that come and sit on the couch and pay me $125 per hour. And I'm like, you make $125 per hour? I'm in the wrong profession, man. He's like, you're missing the point. I'm like, I'm sorry. Back to me. <laughs> He's like, they sit on my couch and they're dealing with not knowing how to forgive. Not forget, knowing how to forgive a spouse. I'm not, I'm not talking about massive issues of betrayal. I'm talking about like every day, two and a half, five pound offensive Offenses. They just continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And then you find yourself in a conversation and they say something and because there's no positive override, there's no positive account, you just hear it in the negative term. And then you react and there's no positive money in the account and so they just hear negative, a threat, an attack. And this is how relationships are going. In marriage between parents and kids, between believers, within churches. And I feel like God's like right from the jump, right from the beginning, I was trying to teach you how to forgive. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like for me, it was, but it was also just for you so that you could walk and exhale. I walk in freedom. And so today, here's what I want to do is I want to teach you the two Greek words for forgiveness. And I want you to know these words because these two New Testament words for forgiveness I think will actually teach you a short breath prayer that if you actually learn this, that throughout the day when someone tries to hand you a five pound weight or a 10 pound weight or a 25 pound weight or a 45 pound weight, You'll be able to say, okay, thanks. And you'll be able to drop it without having to accumulate all of these weights and go through your day. What's amazing is if I say something negative, if I were to say something, you know, negative about Dave Burns, which is pretty hard to do. But if I were to say something negative to him, what's amazing is I say something and I give him a five pound weight and then I walk away. I don't think about Dave. I don't think about what I've actually said to him. He's just left holding a five-pound weight. And it feels like a double punch, doesn't it? Because when someone gives this to you and you're like, why did they say this? Why did they do this? Man, someday they're going to come back and they're actually going to take this weight away from me. No, they're not. I mean, how many of us have been waiting for somebody to come and be like, hey, I'm really, really sorry for what I said? I mean, that does happen. I don't want to minimize that, but very rarely. And what you have to understand is forgiveness is a solo sport. Reconciliation, that's a team sport. You need multiple people. But forgiveness is literally you choosing to decide, what am I going to do with this unwanted weight? What am I going to do with this unwanted gift that's not a gift that was given to me? And will I allow this to affect my head space, my heart space, and who God wants me to be? So, I believe straight in God's word, you will be able to see from these two Greek words how we can actually live more in freedom because we've actually received the gift of forgiveness, not just to get us into heaven, but so that we can live in freedom today. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And if not, it will be up on the screen. But many of us know the Lord's Prayer. And what's amazing about the Lord's Prayer is in Luke 11, you have the Talmudim, the apprentices, the disciples of Jesus walking up. They walk up to Jesus and they say, hey, Lord, teach me how to pray. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome question. And so Jesus says, oh, I'll teach you how to pray. Whenever you asked a rabbi, teach me how to pray, you weren't trying to ask him like, hey, what's your model of prayer? When you asked a rabbi how to pray, it was literally like you were asking him, what gets you up in the morning? What do you hope to see accomplished here on earth? What do you long to see, your ministry, what you are speaking into this world, what do you long to see happen? And so Jesus says the Lord's Prayer. And this prayer, I need you to understand, is both profoundly spiritual and deeply practical. And I'll show you why. Jesus says, this is then how you should pray. Our Father, which I love. He doesn't say my Father. He's like our Father in heaven. Hallowed. And that word hallowed is holy, set apart, is your name. Which leads you to ask the question, well, then how do you actually make God's name holy here on earth? goes to the next one, verse 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, which is kingdom Dallas Willard would say is just the rule and reign of, of Jesus and God here on earth. The kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here is the simple prayer. Deeply, deeply spiritual. Profoundly practical. That everything that is true in heaven would be brought here into the present. Into Santa Cruz, Ventura, Phoenix, I know I made fun of Fresno yesterday, but Fresno, Dinuba, Columbus, Ohio, because they need Jesus. Like all of these places that heaven would invade and what God dreamed would become a reality. And then in verse 11, it gets even more spiritual and more practical. This is how it happens. You give us today our daily bread. Now, for many of us, we grew up doing devotions, our daily bread, And so it's profoundly spiritual because bread was this metaphor of like the word. It was like this this bread of life. We can eat of it. We can just like, there's something it does within us that fuels our day. But then when you're living as a Hebrew people in occupation, you're living under Roman power, you're wondering when your next meal is gonna come. And all of a sudden like Jesus says, hey, you know what I dream? I dream that people have bread. I dream that people actually have food I dream that people can actually experience the presence of God and that they actually have something to digest. And then it goes even farther. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, spiritual forgiveness. Everyone would say, yeah, of course, forgiveness. Yes, yes. But I also want to say profoundly practical. Because if you've ever, and I love that Mount Hermon's doing an Israel Holy Land trip, I have a friend who is a Messianic rabbi, and he says that there's five gospels. Uh, It sounds heretical, but give me one second. He says there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the land. And when you've experienced the land, the other four make sense. It's a powerful, powerful understanding. But people were connected to their land. And the crazy piece about it is in the midst of occupation, in higher and higher and higher taxes by the Roman Empire, people were on the verge of losing their land. And so what people began to do is actually sell off stuff so that people didn't lose their land. So forgiveness, profoundly spiritual and deeply practical. Quick side note. Many churches in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s were started off of Acts 2. You've heard this, like an Acts 2 church. If you read Acts 2, 42 through 47, all it is is the incarnation of the Lord's Prayer. You read it and you think about bread and forgiveness and debts and selling land and joy and cheering and all of a sudden gladness and sear hearts and people were adding to the number of those who are being saved. It was like a whole bunch of high schoolers going, I don't know how to lead a mega church. Let's just incarnate what Jesus' mission was. And it exploded. But that's not this teaching. Let's go back to the two highlighted words forgive. Now, forgive in Greek, the first Greek word, is the word afimi. Let me hear you say afimi. Afimi literally means to release and send away. Release and send away, which is fantastic. And afimi comes from the Old Testament understanding of the greatest Hebrew festival holiday, which was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And this was the day where you were at one with God. It was a massive, massive celebration. This was a day where all of the corporate sins and all sin is in the Hebrew language means to live less than God's best. So all of the places that you had chosen willfully to live less than God's best, you would come and you would literally place it onto this animal and then this animal would be released and sent away out into the wild to never come back again. And it was this beautiful picture of what you had done, what had been done onto you, all of this weight, you would literally put it onto this animal and it would be released and sent away. A number of years ago, when I was a pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan, we wanted to talk about this concept. And so uh, we uh, reached out to a woman who had a farm and uh, we were given this, this animal, and she let us, like, use it. And we're like, you know what we're going to do? Well, how awesome would it be is if like, we literally embodied Yom Kippur? And we're not really thinking very much of it, but we're like, hey, here's what we want you to do. We want you to walk up to this animal, and we really want you to, like, place your sins that you've been holding onto this animal. And then we're going like, to, like, the goat's going to leave the building. It's literally going to leave the building. We're going to, like, release it. Like, release it. And then you fast forward a few days, the woman calls mad. She's like, hey, what would you do to my animal? I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. It's dead. I was like, what? Um, and then I'm trying to explain, we just placed our sins onto this animal. And she's like, well, what's wrong with your people? And I'm like, yeah, they're broken. <sighs> and I just started to think about this. Man, this is really, really powerful. And all of a sudden you have this, this church in Grand Rapids, they're like literally placing all of what they had done, all of that they had been carried. And this is corporately what God instructed for the Hebrew people to do because he did not want you to walk in shame. I mean, this is what you have to understand about how good God is. God wants you to walk in freedom. He wanted you to be able to walk in this exhale and not have your mindset on like, why did I do this? Or why was this weight given to me? Or why? He didn't want you being held back. So he creates this day where you literally would place this. and There would be other moments of Yom Kippur, but you'd place all of this on. You would release it from your life. You release it from your body. You release it from your heart. You release it from your mind. And it would be sent away. There's something beautiful about that. And just think for the last time, when you've actually, someone's given you a five, 10, 15, 20, 25 pound weight, how many of us have released it and sent it away? For many of us, we just hold on to it and we store it. And science is fascinating right now. As you get around these incredible scientists at Stanford, Berkeley, UCLA, USC, what they are finding, and, and, and more around the world, what they are finding is how these un-looked-at like, pain points are actually going after our bodies. Ulcers. Back pain. Strokes. In some ways, they're even describing that, man, there's probably even some kind of connection with cancer. I mean, some of this stuff, and you look at, and I go, the God of all creation said, I created something so that we didn't have to live this way, that you could actually walk in freedom. Let's go to the next slide. The next slide is, I think, fascinating. As you go to Ephesians chapter four, we're going to learn the second word. Paul writes, he goes, this is the kind of people I want you to be in Ephesus. I want you to be kind and compassionate. And the word compassion in Greek um, is the word, it's like the plural form of the word womb, which I just love. And the idea of to be compassionate means to be wombish, it's a made up word. But it's like where you actually care for what God has birthed into this wor- world. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You'd think it's the word afimi, but it's not. Continues on. It says this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, next slide, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there's just a sense, when he's talking about forgiveness... Or to be kind and compassionate with one another, literally like forgiving as, as we saw exemplified in the life of Christ. There's actually this one who was willing to be this fragrant offering. Now, for a number of years, uh, when I was in Fullerton, uh, there's, there's a lot of competition around in and out stores. And it's very, like there's this hidden in and out sports world which most people don't know, but the stores actually compete against one another. And there will, there's a few days where like In-N-Out actually closes its stores and they'll go to these remote places and they will have these massive pickup games and it's like bragging rights, massive, massive trophies. The, the store general manager feels like a king if his team wins. So this guy in Fullerton started recruiting Cal State Fullerton athletes to work at In-N-Out. Which all we basically did was stand there and literally wash those red little trays and then get free double-doubles and then have to win this basketball tournament. It's a total NCAA violation until two weeks ago. Now, <laughs> what's amazing though is if you've ever been to In-N-Out. And you, you've all had this moment, right? It's like you're driving on the 5 or the 101 or the 405. I won't name the litany of uh, freeways because when I did play basketball at Cal State, they put me in a freeway class. No joke. I had to study the freeways. Yeah, it's, it's real life hard work as a college athlete. Anyways, I, I found myself driving and you've had this moment and you were like, <laughs> I know that smell and you're in the fast lane, and something takes over your body where you don't even look in your rearview mirror, you don't even look at the side mirror, you just start to merge, and you get off that exit, and you go to that drive through and you order that animal style In-N-Out, because it's the Shekinah glory descending in burgerly form. Amen. And you know it, you know it. All of you are like, I'm hungry right now. Just dismiss us. Now, here's the thing. What In-N-Out did was it did something with the grills early on, genius, Genius. I think they understood this verse. But they sucked up like a Dyson vacuum, the smell of the grill, connected it to a fan, and tilted the fan to go right over the fast lanes in the freeway. (laughs) And I'm telling you what, you go into an In-N-Out kitchen and you watch it and you're like... (sighs) It is the best marketing thing. And you know this smell. And there's something about this fragrant, you're like, oh, it smells so good. You walk out and you're, someone's on a Traeger grill or an egg or you just smell it or someone's on a Weber grill and you're like, oh my goodness. And you feel it. And, and, and like literally what the scriptures would talk about in the Hebrew scriptures, Old Testament, or even Paul talking about this in Ephesians, is that there's something about when you live this life, a sacrifice It's like this fragrant offering. It just, to heaven, it is the best smell. For many of us, we're just like holding on to it. We've just, no smell is getting out because we're like, no, 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 I'm just gonna hold on to what they said. And so Paul says, no, 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 I I need you to understand is you've gotta learn to forgive just as Christ forgave you. The second Greek word is the word charismai. And charismai literally means, you see charis in the beginning, that's where we get the word Grace. But charisma literally means this. The grace you received, you freely give away. The grace that you have received, you freely give away. And what charisma does is it brings you right back to the cross. And I've been thinking about this. Because for so long, I think for many of us, we just have gotten really accustomed to carrying weights. What she said, what she did, what he said, what he did, what they said, what they did, what they didn't say that I needed them to say, and I'm just holding it. Just show of hands and blatant, beautiful honesty. How many of you would say, I'm carrying a weight right now that I've not let go? I just need you to see this is that there is a way at which forgiveness isn't just some concept. It is like God's gift so that you could live in freedom today. Let's go to the next slide. What I want to teach you is this simple breath prayer. And I think that this might help you every single day if you just get this. Those two Greek words, charismai and ephemi. And I remember talking with a mentor of mine, he was my youth pastor in California. And I remember just sharing with him, man, I just feel like I'm just, I'm just I'm just taking all of people's kind of stuff, and I'm holding on to it. I just feel like I'm carrying it. I feel my shoulders going in. I feel tired. I don't feel like I have the energy I used to have. And and I'm just like getting more irritable and frustrated. And Hal just looks at me and goes, man, I feel like you got a forgiveness problem. And I'm like, you watch your mouth. He's like, it just feels like you, you don't know how to let it go. And so I'm like, I know, I know. And he's like, let's, let's look at these words. So we start looking at these words. And I was a young pastor at this time. And he starts talking about charisma, The grace we receive, we freely give it away. It always brings us back to the cross. And Ephemia is where we release and we send it away he just said, like, I-, I think you need to actually, when someone tries to hand you an unwanted weight, I think you've got to start to have some sense of prayer, some sense of declaration, some sense of phrasing or word that you're literally, literally, literally going to say that you're going to say, I don't need to take that. I'm going to just drop that weight. And so I remember just one day journaling and I just was like, okay, is my... Always brings me back to the cross. Cross. I was forgiven. Jesus took my weight. Fragrant offering. Forgiveness is a solo sport. Cross. Now I have a choice. Do I actually believe the cross? Or do I have to hold on to it? Or can I actually, I have a place that I can like release it. I can release it at the foot of the cross. And I can, like, send it away. And what's amazing is for the last number of years, and I pray this multiple times a day, my kids will laugh that sometimes, like, someone will cut me off, and I'm like, cross-release, send it away. Someone will say something on Twitter, and I'll feel my thumb starting to move. And I'll just be like, cross-release, send it away. My daughter saw this, this, this moment where we were traveling together, and um I saw someone just really, really talking down to another person, and I I, I felt like, even though that person was talking down to another person, I I interpreted it as they were giving me a weight. And my little, she was seven at the time, walked up to me, just pulled on my my shorts, and she's just like, cross, release, blend it away. And I was like, you're close, blend it away. But this is the thing. I think for many of us, it's just this reminder, yeah, yeah, I don't have to carry this. I don't have to carry this. This is really, really personal to me because um, I was adopted, and um, my, my adopted father um, wasn't a believer. He was a businessman. And for much of his life, um, he was driven. I could tell by the way that my dad walked if I could talk to him on the drive home. Um, he only ever said three things to me pre-Christ It was something wise, something funny, or he cussed me out. So I knew how to read a room because I knew how to read my dad. And after he came, became a Christian, I got to baptize him on my 19th birthday, which is remarkable. God began to do a work, but like I talked about in day one, spiritual formation, you can't microwave it. It's a process. All of a sudden, he was working, and God was at work in him. And then he came down with leukemia. And for two years, he battled and battled and battled. And he really thought he was gonna beat it. And then he went to the University of Michigan and had this bone marrow transplant, and it added more years to his life. And there was a moment, maybe, a number of years before he passed where he just didn't know what to do with his anger that was within. And for some apparent reason, he saw me one day and he took it out on me like he did when I was a kid. And as a grown man, I was like, I'm tired, no more of 35 pound weights from you. And I'm like cross release, send it away. And I just realized in this season, I needed to take a step back. And I, I prayed. I prayed daily for my father. I prayed daily for reconciliation. I prayed daily, but I also knew I couldn't be in this toxic where I was an eight-year-old again. But I prayed. I prayed. i never forget, I was in Charleston, and I got this message in Facebook. Um... May, March 25th, 2015. And my dad sent me a message. I've only ever done this one other time, and it always chokes me up. Hi, Steve, I'm sorry about the condition of our relationship, and I'm sorry for what I've done to get us here. I'm ashamed that I've behaved badly. If a day comes when we could meet for coffee as two guys who want to be more like Jesus... I would enjoy that. And I remember like reading this at the Starbucks coffee shop in Charleston where my family's on vacation. And I was like, this is what I've been praying for. But I'm like, is it real? So my dad lived in Grand Rapids. I was living in Chicago at the time. And we started to meet in this little lake town in Benton Harbor. And he would drive up. And we started to meet. And we started to talk. And we started to talk. And we started to heal. And God began to work and began to move. And just felt this sense of oh my goodness, oh my goodness, he's done his work. I've done my work. I'm not holding on to all of this weight. Like reconciliation is actually possible. And that just kept leading to once a month, once a month, once a month, twice a month, twice a month. And towards the end of his life, as his body began to give way, um, he was really my best friend, my biggest advocate. And then, this is a picture of he and I, it's representing Michigan. It's one of the things that always connected us. And then in 2019, I sat beside him at hospice as he took his last breath, and it's not a day goes by that I don't miss him. I say all that to go, forgiveness isn't just some kind of like, oh, it's so easy, cross release, send it away. It's it's really hard. And for many of you, I know that some of you have been handed weights that you're like, I don't know if I can do this. But what I learned and what I'm continuing to learn is may we pray that they do their work, but may we constantly be doing our work to walk in the freedom that we've been given through Christ. Daily praying, cross, release, send it away. Cross, release, send it away. And the more that it brings us back to the foot of the cross, the more that I began to see what Jesus did for me, the more that I understood how he released me, how he sent it away so that I could actually be free. And now he's inviting me and you and us to walk in that still. So the question becomes, will we do it? And that's that's what I really want to leave you with. Is I'll tell you, carrying these weights was not comfortable. I was sweaty. My back hurts. But after a while, it became pretty normal. And I could slowly just know that I could move like this, not very drastic, but I just became kind of familiar with walking, sweating, back hurt. But then you take it off and you're like, wow. And you can walk in freedom. I just believe that our world is carrying so much. So much negative override, so much distrust, so much cynicism, so much weight. But something happens when the church understands the gift of forgiveness, and not just the idea of God forgiving them, but the idea that God forgave them so that they could walk in peace and in love and in freedom in the here and now. I don't know what that looks like for you. But maybe before we just get in our cars and drive away tomorrow, maybe it's some moment today you have to walk up to a little cross or in some way just say, this person, I'm just gonna, I'm going to put that weight to the cross. I'm going to release it. I'm going to send it away. And I'll tell you what, it's not a one and done. It's a process. And you'll probably do it 37 times the first day and 48 times the second day and 52 times the third day. But by week three, it might be six and two and one. And you will be able to breathe again, walk in freedom again. That's what God longs for you. Forgiveness wasn't just for him. It was for you, for you, for you. God, we just pray. I pray for my friends right now who might be carrying painful words that were absolute lies from the pit of hell. I pray for my friends right now who've been carrying painful experiences They haven't been able to let go. Unmet expectations, just holding on to. Affecting their sleep, affecting their ability to be present, affecting their bodies. And the gift of forgiveness is truly a gift to live in freedom. The gift of forgiveness always reminds us of the gift of the cross. And so, God, I just pray that these three words, cross, release, send it away, will become simple breath prayers, so we don't take weights that you never meant for us to carry. Our shoulders are only so wide, but the cross can hold it all. So may we actually take you at your word. May we actually trust you with this pain. May we trust you with these words, trust you with these experiences. And may we keep coming back to the reality that the cross is. We love you, God. We thank you. Thank you for forgiving us. Help us embody the Lord's Prayer, help us be kind and compassionate. Help us to truly be that fragrant offering to the world. We pray all is your name and everyone said, Amen. Amen.